Okay, people, now NAM level energy. Are you ready? <laughs> Yay! Yay, awesome. Okay, so I'm super excited to present my part of the talk, which is something that I have been thinking since a few days. And my roommate, who is Marie, and also she's our host, she's seen me behaving crazy, uh, which is me not, my, my crazy behavior is I don't talk, I become quiet. So that is my crazy behavior because I talk a lot otherwise. Um, so the design principles are, this is not theoretical. These are based on my own experience. I have been, uh, so let me give you a little bit of background about me. Firstly, getting back to our why before I do that, like we just said, I always keep saying know your why. So why am I doing this? Because I want a better health ecosystem. I want to repurpose, redefine and reimagine the health ecosystem. And why do I want to do that? Because this has been my journey. So I trained as a medical doctor in India. I did my master's in public health at Harvard University. And if you can see these images, this is my life in a nutshell. Uh, my first project was in 2010. This is in Bihar. I trained a lot of village women who are uh, village health workers to make an app. It was the days of GPRS. 3G was just coming out. So I started my digital uh, health journey then. And then I worked a lot in preschool. I started school. So I've done a lot of community building over, I think I have 10 years or 12 years experience in community building. I started in 2008. This is... Um, indigenous workers in different parts of India, in South of India called Kotagiri. And these are some orphan children home. So I've done a lot of community building, capacity building in health and health technologies there. I have a social community here in Ottawa. I came to Canada only two and a half years ago in Ottawa for two years, three months. And I have an online community of 500 members. Uh, through poetry meetups, life coaching, fitness meetups, uh, which I host, and then Health 4.0 digital twin meetups. This is me with the DevOps team. I learned a lot from DevOps and Grima will be one of our speakers. Uh, this is Faisal, one of our next speakers, Professor Badur, the big boss, Professor Abid, and he is where I am here where I am because of him. He is my role model, he is my mentor sometimes my tormentor, but he's an amazing guy. Um, I learned, I'm learning and I learned a lot from him. So this is my journey. I come with a diverse background as a physician, as a public health person, as a community worker, as a social worker, as an entrepreneur, as a person who uses technology very avidly, and now as a technology researcher. Um, so yeah, I have wear different hats. And so my learnings, for me, the design principles, and I'm very data-driven. Um, so a part of this presentation will be data-driven, which is what I learned from doing podcasts. And some of you mentioned the podcast. So this, this, the, 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 these learnings are 15 podcasts later, but we've actually finished 20 podcasts now. So we are almost a thousand downloads. But what came out, I did a word cloud from all the speakers, the different speakers that we had who were from different walks. And the top word every time was people. People precedes technology. Technology precedes the system. And this is what is the base of what I'm going to present to you is my vision of Health 4.0. Now we've understood that Health 4.0 is getting industry technology in health, but we also need the evidence. What is the science behind doing the health kind of uh, health technology integration in uh, the technology integration in health and making it proactive. 
and what are the human needs and the community needs because in the pandemic you know so far when i was looking at health 4.0 and like bob mentioned i was looking at from one angle okay how can i give more information the more correct information to an individual so they can optimize their health and lo and behold i realized well if i optimize my health i'm also optimizing my community health and can i start looking at it in a different way so when you funnel in these three basic items and you run it over a layer of design research which i'm doing as a researcher market research which i do as an entrepreneur agile and devops as a practitioner that's when you're going to make health 4.0 services and products so the reason i give you this diagram and i didn't put it ahead is i wanted you to first get the feeling and the emotions through the design speaking panels and the design speakers and understand that i am very well aware of the human needs we are very well aware that community and humanity go together and the health 4.0 products and services the next line of speakers you're going to hear everybody from industry you're going to hear people who are going to talk about health 2.0 uh, which is my work uh, health 3.0 is kareem's work uh, he's going to be a speaker you're going to hear market research you've already heard from vijay uh, design research you've heard from kristia and agile and devops are the next few speakers so as we go through this rest of the session you're going to see that every aspect of this will help us go towards that goal of having a healthier better fitter people community planet uh, and uh, my next thing is based on my understanding of design uh what are the different challenges now when i say design what i mean is design is decision making making better decisions is design okay so if i'm coming approaching design from that angle uh so for me it is basically what does effective design mean in a post covid world it's not clear i need that to be very clear for me and uh, uh you know so that's the first part the second is the other thing that i hear a lot is trading of privacy over for service delivery what does it mean for design which means privacy by design has to be a default um and at the same time if you hear the podcast uh, episode 20 you will understand that we cannot simply tell people oh well if you're willing to give us your data we will be able to give you services in real time and so and so on and so forth that's not enough you know so uh, garima is going to talk in details on design and cybersecurity for health 4.0 and i'm going to touch that topic there uh, she's going to touch it rather applying industry 4.0 design principles to health 4.0 without cultural and contextual nuances so what does this mean so what are the industry 4.0 principles they're very simple it's virtualization of a service okay how do you make a service go virtual completely how it is uh, interoperability how do you make things talk to each other this decentralization computing uh, real time capability and not all health problems need real time solutions especially if it's chronic disease prevention uh, service orientation and the service orientation is not about service orientation as so that we give service it's about architecture the service orientation architecture modular architecture and safety security and resilience so since i'm not a technologist i'm not going to talk about the tech design principles because it's not my domain but what i can really talk about is the cultural and the contextual to these applications which i will talk through my own experience with the uh, namology i'm going to introduce that in the next two slides again uh, 
And before I do that, the motivators, what I felt was through this whole COVID-19 situation is that people are now more aware and engaged in health and health related topics. It's become the thing you talk about it, like you have weather and you ask about people's health and then social determinants and inequalities are out in the open. We always knew they existed. They always had issues. There was a lot of advocacy going on and even uh, Christia, thank you for pointing that in your presentation. And um, I'm sorry, that's a typo from my side, but golden period for what uh, with width. So it's a width, okay? Maximum technology onboarding. I mean, I have been in this field for 10 years or more actually, 12 years, but I have never seen so many people come on Zoom. Like I remember when I started my first telemedicine company in 2012, it was so hard to convince people to come online, even people who needed it. Like I went all the way to Afghanistan and I had people who had the need. They used to go to India all the way just to see their cardiologist who would just see them for one minute or two minutes and say, okay, continue the same medications. Now imagine reducing a journey to a country by giving telemedicine and I still didn't have people onboarding it. Okay, so, and I was crazy enough to go and live in Afghanistan. Like not many people will do that. I did it and it turns out that was not, even if there was a need, felt need, product market fit is there. The timing is also important. The customer readiness is also important. So my experience of community of practice is Namology, which is in Canada. So I'm not going to go back in all the past things that I did, there's too much. We can have a coffee later on if you want. Not today, today I'm kind of multitasking. So Namology, I call it empathy in action. Namology started over a cup of coffee with a very good friend of mine, uh, Garima, who keeps listening to my wisecracks. And she's like, you know what, your Namology. And then one of the days, my supervisor, who's, I don't know if he's on the call right now, but if he's there, hello, uh, told me, I think Nam, more than a technologist, you are a life coach. So I combined the two things and I said, you know what, I'm going to do life coaching. And I said, okay, in 2020, let me start something. And COVID happened. So what is Namology? Let me describe it to you. It's a health 2.0 solution because it's an online community. We have two things. We have the daily fitness scrum. So I have seniors and I think a few people uh, have attended it. I think Nozar's online right now who's done this. He's not quite a senior yet, but... Uh, and Sienna has come for one or two sessions, but I have done in the past, in, in COVID, this started in COVID, 70 sessions, which means daily engagement with people. And you can imagine the amount of learning that comes with engaging. And these are all women, senior women. And I have people from Jamaica, from, from uh, US. And Soulful Saturday is a life coaching. I do it every Saturdays. Of course, it's Soulful Saturdays. And it's 15 sessions because there's been 15 weeks since we are locked down. Um, and now we have people from Brazil, Mexico, US, India, and Canada coming for life coaching online through this. So with a lot of participation and a lot of feedback, what it, the principles that you will see are practice-based. They, I don't have a backup theory, but I can share my learnings. So I'm just going to show you what do some of my colleagues or my friends now who come for the fitness thing. I have begun to rely, and the word is rely, on these daily workout sessions and can tell the difference if I miss any. And this is a woman who's 75 years old. Thanks so much for organizing them, Nam. 
uh, Namrata. So, uh, and then Soulful Saturdays. Uh, it has been a celestial discovery. I appreciate hearing stories from everybody. And also I love how the group hears without giving a rude judgment. So this was me combining my community-based participatory research uh, combined with my training in mental health on an online platform. And I'll tell you how it works. Soulful Saturdays. I want to express my gratitude for these meetings. I really enjoy every person sharing their emotions and point of view. I think I thank all of them. Uh, I think all of them are special. I really like that we have many men in the group and of every age. This is very important because I like to hear the masculine point of view since I've always participated and did group therapy with mostly women. And the way another person is a great learning opportunity for people who are uh, uh, interested in self-improvement and gaining self-awareness. So these are the different participants and the way these principles work is this. I started off with a meetup group when I said, okay, I'm going to do this event. And initially it was going to be online, but then as soon as I started them, COVID happened. So we went on Zoom and uh, we kind of uh, started having people who know how to use Zoom. Now, the great thing about using a technology which people know, it's easy to onboard them. And then slowly every day people started coming in for the exercise sessions. And for me, it was basically a time six to six forty-five in the evening, because that's when I get lonely. I get bored. I live by myself. I have a roommate, but we, we are like single. So we combine mental health and uh, physical health. So we do everyday meditation, breathing exercises, yoga, all three of them and an uptake on, did you sleep well? And did you eat well? So imagine someone checking on you every single day, six to six forty-five and making you exercise and then they go like you know what's the best part are we can catch up with our girlfriends so one lady got another lady got another lady got another lady it's been organic i haven't made it into a startup or something yet but what i learned was the design principles for any kind of a technological innovation because here i'm using tele tele coaching of sorts first was content now, I'm not a fitness expert. What did I do? I went on YouTube. I started studying every video. I started giving them for feedback. Did you like this video? Did you not like this video? Why did you like this video? And we also had people who were coming and who didn't have like, they, we had accessibility needs in that video because some people only could uh, use the audio files. So the videos had to be easy to see, easy to hear, detailed enough to do the description at the same time fun. So. Then I started realizing so it's not just content generation, but it's also how relatively important the content is. Started getting feedback and we started making curated playlists. So today with that playlist, I can tell you a young person, an old person, a beginner, an intermediate, everybody can benefit. And it took me three months to create something like that on YouTube uh, with the help of this. What did I learn? educating is important like people had to feel they're learning something like when they do a jane fonda workout and we realize oh we could stretch our legs with a towel i didn't know that i learned a new thing like thank you jane fonda for that you know and uh, at the same time it has to be empathic which means um now one of my friends in the workouts calls me nam you're a slave driver i'm like why did you say that she's like you do these hardcore exercises i can't do this find me something easy I, otherwise i'll stop coming so i'm like okay let's find something which you can do which is easy and something that's hard for me and we found those midways so empathy engaging it's interactive it's not just me talking it's everybody doing it together 
It's accessible. It's enjoyable because we do laughter therapy every day. Thanks to Nozer. It's co-created. I didn't create the whole module myself. It's co-created. It's experimental, which means we did one workout one day. We didn't like it. We quickly change it the next day. It's experiential. It's reliable and it's trusted. Like people know when they're talking on Soulful Saturdays, they're not being recorded. They're not being, uh, you know, so whatever other barriers that you need to follow to make the people trust you, you don't have to always collect all the data. So according to me, from my understanding and my experience of health 2.0, these are the principles which work with consumers. I'm not a tech expert per se, but this is what I bring to the table. And I am happy to take questions now. Nam, can I ask you a question? Yes. Uh, where does safety, does safety play into this? Uh, safety does play into this. Like a psych, psych, there's physical safety, sorry, psychologically, psychological yes. safety. Thank you for pointing. There is safety in this. So there are three levels of safety that I can tell you that I have experienced. Uh, the first is when you're doing the workouts, they have to be very simple so that nobody can hurt themselves and ask them whether they are able to do those things. Psychological, uh, the internet, like Zoom, when at the beginning, when we started, remember Zoom was having the Zoom bombings and all those is issues and then Zoom upgraded. So make sure to use systems which are uh, like systems which have a safe logging method and we have the password and the link now so nobody can come in. So that was the cyber safety that we took in place. And the psychological safety is basically there is a, uh, we go through this in the beginning that what we share here is here and those kinds of the way you have Alcoholic Anonymous or any other kind of groups, the same rules we kind of follow. Um, so at least from my side, those precautions we take and so far it's fine. It's a small community initiative. It's not a startup or something yet, but safety is important. If, if, did I answer your question, Christia? Yeah, okay. I can see you, that's why I can tell. I mean, because I can't see everybody. So I'm gonna try and make my window big because I have like this screen and the other screen. Okay, is there anybody else who has any questions for me? And if we don't, then we have our next panel ready. <laughs> um, I won't be joining the breakout room, guys. So if you have questions, you can ask me now or you can email me your questions uh, later, and we can talk about them later on. Okay, I have a question for you if you don't have questions for me. So everybody here uses uh, some kind of personal health technology, a wearable or an app or something smart scale or something at least online grocery shopping what is what is the deciding factor for you to pick a technology over other and what is the second deciding factor to stick with it uh, can i go with that yeah please yeah so for me uh when 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 i pick my fitness tracker or any app the first thing i look is at Hello? their uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, okay, just making sure. Yeah. Ma'am, can you hear? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the first thing I look at, at their uh, the uh, policies and the privacy, how they handle that. And the next thing for me is the accuracy. I mean, how accurate they are. Because most of the fitness tracker, I, I mean, I've been using, like I use like two or three of them but most of them, you just wave your hand and they count them as the steps. So that's not something accurate, right? So 
been checking. I mean, accuracy is the other factor that I check as well. Yeah. Okay. So, it needs my knees and easy to use. Okay, Cheryl, thank you for the comment. So, uh, Ajay, I fully agree with you. For me, the number one is accuracy because the thing is, uh, some of them look very pretty and I don't think they keep women in their, you know, when they design something, they, they usually don't think of women. Some of the wearables are so ugly. I don't think people are going to, women are definitely not going to wear them. Then some, they started coming up with some jewelry which look good, but I am not sure they're very accurate. So we need accuracy as well as good, good looking stuff. And the other thing I think is, again, that is again futuristic, is if it is something like wearing a patch, you know, like an estrogen patch, which can't be seen, it's under your clothes or something, probably that would be a big one. And uh, because, you know, and I'm talking, you know, particularly from, uh, from a perspective of a woman, women don't use the same jewelry all the time. So there should be probably an ability to change the, the way it looks that has to go with your clothes and things like that. So th there is a huge design element in that, which is missing right now. Uh, so I can see Christia agreeing with me. <laughs> so like the new, uh, you know, the blood pressure monitor, number one, it costs $500. And it is one of the ugliest things I've seen. And I'm not going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sienna here. Um, so I think for me, what really... Um, motivates me to use one type of technology over another type of technology is um, that that's interesting it has to be it has to be good looking and I've heard a lot of people say the Apple Watch um, I can speak for the Apple Watch um, because I am familiar with it I, I am also a user of it and I can say for me like especially when it comes to uh, health technology, wearable technology, um, the thing that really motivates me to use it over another piece of technology, first and foremost, um, is accuracy. And also, well, actually, I, I should say they both kind of fall equally. Um, no, number one, the number one motivator is accessibility as well. It has to be... Um, easy to use like from not just from an assistive technology standpoint standpoint but from a general user standpoint it has to be um, not too complex not too many bells and whistles and that's really what i like about the apple watch um, and um, I, my experience with other smart watches has been that they um, they're still pretty easy to use, but I find the Apple Watch, for example, um, is a lot more straightforward, I would say. So accuracy and accessibility are the main, uh, and just overall, um, overall uh, straightforward to use uh, a simple uh, user experience. So that Thank really, you. Uh, motivators for me thank you sienna and thank you for mentioning and i'm sorry if, if there are more questions for me i cannot join the breakout room because i'm also hosting the next panel so i i will have to 
uh, if you can type in the chat, I can, I, I can respond on the chat in the main room or you can email me. I think I can, I can do that. So thank you everybody for participating. And this is effectively the end of the design panel talks for now. We do have a user panel, user UX panel coming up in the afternoon with Clifton and Clifton is one of the guys who was the founder in the founding groups of UX. He was the guy who got to vote on the team. Yes, call it UX. Let's call it UX. Okay. So he's an awesome, awesome guy who's in the room here. Uh, and I'm lucky that I have worked with someone like him. And by the way, something I forgot to mention, a lot of people in this room are founders of things, of, of movements. Okay. We have Christia who's led the first innovation labs in Canada. We have Shabnam, who's the first functional medicine doctor from India. Uh, we have Fedwa, who's coming up. She's the first female engineer in Digital Twins. And we have a lot of firsts. Uh, Abed is the first um, uh, Digital Twin scientist. Like he's the father of Digital Twins. So a lot of father figures, amazing people. And that's why they all send you presentations like six in the morning just before the conference starts because they're thinking and that's totally cool with me because i also did the same thing that's why i had typos in my own presentations so thank you so much um and sorry marie now the floor is yours there is no you can go in the breakout room if you want to chat with each other but uh, from my side i won't be joining it okay so marie it's a, all the floor is yours now